in a week where the Bella twins gave birth to their new children within the space of a day, and where Marty Janetti somewhat admits to murdering another man. Welcome to episode five of the Wrestling Travel Podcast. Wrestling Travel Podcast. Proud sponsors of TNT Extreme Wrestling and for the love of wrestling convention. My name is Danny, and this week I am joined by the host of the Lockdown Sessions and our US representative, Justin Clapper. And once again, we're joined by Sports Keeters, Tom Colhew, who is joining us um, for the second consecutive week. Tom, how are you doing this week, my friend? I am doing okay. If anyone uh, doesn't already know, I've had a bit of bad news about the day job, but that just means I have more time to come on podcasts with the wonderful people at Wrestling Travel. And that's what we like to hear. And we're very much looking forward to seeing you uh, branch out a little bit more over the next few months with your focus on, uh, um, with your uh, journalism and professional wrestling. And Justin, how are you doing over there in Wisconsin? I wasn't sure how I was doing until I had that wonderful introduction. Never before did I ever believe I would be on a program where it started out the Bella Twins giving birth and Marty Jannetty may have confessed to killing a man. A dream come true over here, Danny. Yeah, may have. <laughs> Allegedly. Yeah, very, uh, very bizarre post, but uh, he's very well known, isn't he, for uh, posting very uh, crazy things. So we'll certainly keep an eye on that, see what on earth is going on. But it has been another wacky, crazy week for professional wrestling. As always, it seems like this, uh, this period has certainly... Um, grabbed wrestling by the scruff of the neck and turned it into a, a crazy world than it was before. Um, but we're looking, first of all, at Monday Night Raw. Um, well, let's dive into it. Raw Underground. It was announced prior to Raw that Shane McMahon was going to be appearing on the show. We weren't entirely sure what that was meaning, but I think uh, maybe a few of your colleagues or yourself, Tom, had an idea what it may have been. Uh, but we certainly got to realise that it was a sort of fight club, underground fighting, no ropes on the ring, and just all out, um, all out fighting. Uh, I, I don't even know how to describe it, to be honest. But, uh, but Tom, what were your thoughts on uh, Raw Underground, and do you think it will be a success moving forward? Well, Raw Underground was a bit out of nowhere in that it was appearing on our screens as a fight club element, but you could tell, I, obviously, I have quite a lot of uh, very capable and experienced colleagues in the field and they all seem to know exactly the same information this goes back to ryan satin reporting in the pro wrestling sheet that we were going to have a new faction on raw at this point the wwe essentially gave up trying to keep it quiet and everyone in my profession seemingly had full details of what was about to happen we had shane mcmahon everyone knew about the dancing girls the lack of ropes and it is such a strange thing to be conditioned in the way that we have in wrestling to focus on the fact that only things in the ring matter and that every now and then things get so intense you put a cell around them and yet in a storeroom somewhere you've got a fight going on and now we have to care about that as well. Initially, 
I would say it wasn't for me. I do have questions about the use of Dan's and girls, particularly the fact that they weren't wearing masks, but the actual people around the ring still had to wear masks because they would be fined if they didn't. And in fact, they have been in the past. But we got some actual decent fights out of it, or at least we hopefully did. I'd love to see without all the camera cuts to see one way or another. By the end of the night, I got to say I was actually quite interested, particularly when MVP and Bobby Lashley took over. This could be interesting, but it depends whether or not Shane McMahon's still there next week. Yeah, I mean, it certainly was intriguing. I remember um, just seeing it when it uh, sort of got announced. You know, it was one of those moments where you think, oh no, what are they doing now? Um, but yeah, certainly intriguing indeed. And Justin, what are, you, what are your thoughts on Raw Underground and. Um, is it your sort of thing that you would be interested in moving forward? Well, first things first, I would like to know how to prove my journalistic integrity that I'm on the same level with uh, Tom and the other journalists where they are pre-informed about dancing girls. That's my first and foremost <laughs> thought. Um, but no, I, I got a chance to watch it. It's not for me. Um, and, and here's why. Um, the they're trying to make it quote unquote raw in the sense of this underground fight feel Shane McMahon holding a mic. I'm not getting, uh, he's not really adding anything. Ooh, look at that. Um, I, I watched the match with Eric. Um, and Eric was fighting as Shane McMahon said, this tough kid. I mean, I'm not getting a whole lot from it. I don't know what I'm expecting, but I was expecting a little bit different. And um, I don't know. Um, I have a lot of feelings on I just watched the Control Your Narrative video with EC3, and now we're watching almost some underground battle very similar. So I'm, I'm wondering um, what the connection there is, um, why it looks so similar. It just seems like we're, we're running out of ideas, fellas especially when you consider that the WWE have apparently just had the wonderful idea of putting a pay-per-view on a cruise ship, there are certainly some influences creeping in from the outside, apparently. Correct. And I don't think that that, you know, I understand that, um, you know, we, we, we all have to kind of share ideas and stuff is going to come, but I just feel like creatively, and I, and I, I hate to dump on any product. I love pro wrestling. I still love WWE. Um, but I just, man, I think the machine can do so much better. I think what that is, I don't know, but I just, I think it's a lot of going, um, maybe taking a look at history and going back and giving us some great matches and some great, um, out of the ring clips and vignettes. But I mean, where do we go? with the underground is what I'm seeing. Is the underground going to be featured um, on a pay-per-view? Is it going to be its own kind of brand? I, I just don't see it sticking for the long run. But uh, again, I think the second episode is going to be telling. Like They're going to get their feedback. Let's see what they do next time. Yeah, and speaking of the, the feedback, I think the – Raw TV ratings went up slightly um, for the underground um, segments off the last hour of Raw. Um, would I be correct with that, Tom? Did, did the ratings shoot up slightly, do you know? 
I wouldn't say shoot up, but they definitely did increase. There was about, I think, I believe it was about 100,000 extra viewers. And a lot of that did come down to the initial hype. I think this is one of the reasons the information that got out did get out because it did help to create a buzz when your favorite journalist is saying you should definitely tune in. When it comes to long-term viewership retention, we'll have to see on that one. The reaction seems to be that a lot of people were turned off by this. However, at the same time, a lot of people were interested. So it's nice to see them doing something different. It's nice to see them trying something. Whether or not this is a hit or a miss, we'll find out in the next couple of weeks. I do know that uh, quite a few people seem to be very negative on the fact that Shane McMahon was back. Yeah, it was a, a random introduction that he was coming back. I remember seeing it on um, Twitter that Shane was going to be appearing just uh, pretty much out of nowhere. But there is that old saying, you know, when the ratings are down, the McMahons uh, tend to reappear on the uh, on the screen, but uh, in, in this case, a different fashion than uh, than usual. Um, but that's, before that, that's true, but I think uh, the McMahon family have all actually been proven as draws which is confusing in so many ways that we are watching a wrestling product and non-wrestlers are such powerful draws. But Vince McMahon was always incredibly worth watching back in the Attitude Era. And even though Shane McMahon has been incredibly unpopular at times, people still tune in. Yeah, no, I 100% agree there that, uh, you know, when they do appear, the, uh, the interest does, uh, does come along with that too. Um, so yeah, we'll see if he does appear um, again in the future for Raw Underground and uh, see what his role will be moving forward. Um, another thing that WWE announced on their social pages prior to Raw was that we were going to get a new faction. They didn't specifically announce who, how, where. It was just a case of there is a new faction going to be appearing on Raw tonight. Um, eventually, we saw a group of five individuals um, appear in well what was it that they they blew up like a, a power a power vault or something that they ended up exploding but we didn't really get much more details um than that um i mean would that have been better had it have not been announced and all of a sudden this group appears we see this we think oh my what, what's happening here what 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 was your initial take on that justin I actually agree with you. This, this era of announcing and pre-announcing everything um, really takes a little bit away f from it for me. Um, as I talked to you guys last week, TNA, well, excuse me, Impact um, with Slammiversary did a very good job of kind of leaking, but not really leaking too many details. I think, yeah, the effect would have been uh, much greater had that just happened and um, looking through the rumor mill of who's involved in this faction could be a couple uh, NXT call-ups to say the least. That'll be uh, fantastic working on the main roster, but yeah, I think you give me a little bit of mystery um, behind it. Uh, maybe announce it that this day of watching raw and uh, or, or any of your pro wrestling, but having that second screen, where people are on their iPads or phones for social media. And now you push it once we've started the broadcast that, hey, we got something weird going on during the Apollo Crews match where the lights are flickering and we've got rumors of this new 
Now maybe you draw the viewers in that are just on social media going, hey, maybe I need to check this out. Yes, I mean, the way that that segment with the, um, the exploding power vault, it was like it was a, a random thing. So if, obviously we know it's wrestling, it's all predetermined and whatnot. But I mean, for that to be announced and then to happen, it didn't quite correlate for me in terms of the, uh, the announcement of it. What was, uh, was your take from it, Tom? There are times when I have to take the WWE to task because I disagree with this, so I believe that they've done wrong here. However, in this particular instance, that announcement was completely taken out of their hands. That information came out via a wrestling journalist rather than the actual WWE account. And at that point, the WWE essentially had the choice either announce something that everyone already knows about or don't announce it and still essentially get beaten with the same stick. So in this regard, I can't really blame them for not drawing too much attention to it. If you watch the program without um, believing that they are going to be showing up, it plays quite differently. And if you focus on the intention that they were going for, you would get the electrical issues. You would get a few more. You get Kevin Owens making the joke about a few more mic problems. And you would probably assume, especially with uh, Florida and hurricanes and the like, that there were some genuine problems during filming you would then see the faction in question attacking what essentially amounted to three power generators stacked on top of each other and not plugged in. That then should hopefully draw some interest. But instead, what we had was the announcement that a faction was coming, an announcement from a different um, website or YouTube series that the WWE had tried to trademark a particular phrase, which they have not referenced to the faction. So whatever that phrase is, I, I don't know who that's going to refer to. And then by the end of it, you were sat there waiting for something to happen. The hook was supposed to be Raw Underground. That's why Raw Underground got out. Shane McMahon was supposed to be the reason you tune in to work out what's going on. This was supposed to be something extra to bring you next week. They had to get ahead of it. It is a shame for the creative aspect in that. But at the same time, it's hard to... It's hard for me to say that fans are going to be annoyed by this. I want to take the example here. Justin, you've just said that it's a shame about the rumor mill, things getting out and people announcing things, but you've gone looking for the rumor mill and the names of who might be in the faction. So I would say it's difficult to both please fans one way and please them the other. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I, I see your point. Once they... But once they kind of announce that thing, yeah, I, I sometimes I go looking for it and sometimes it finds me as it is with social media um, and the fans being into it. Um, did not realize that that was a leak, uh, but the way you're describing it, uh, if the push was for Shane's return um, and then the fans tuning in to see Shane's return and then have this this new uh faction appear uh yeah then it, then it's done right um it's just unfortunate when we know uh the way the fans and, and the media are that uh we got loose lips there that, that that maybe that hinders creative quite a bit unfortunately if if i can use another example as well uh, smackdown with alexa bliss and bray wyatt I got word about 20 minutes into the show that that particular angle was going to happen. And I put a tweet out sort of teasing it as it were, because I knew a lot of people thought Alexa Bliss was going to be turning heel. 
Now, if I'd have spoiled that, I would probably be getting more money, more followers, more job offers, because I clearly prove without question that I am in the know. However, there will be a lot of people who are unhappy about the fact that that's been spoiled. And really, it potentially could really harm the perception of it. Because if I said to you before that show, oh, Bray Wyatt's going to attack Alexa Bliss, a lot of people would automatically have a negative perception of it way before it happened. It is difficult to be a wrestling journalist and not spoil things when you get this information, because I know it's a lucrative way of doing things. And I know I'd be a lot more popular and well-known now if I did spoil more things. However, you've got to let fans enjoy things sometimes, even when they don't want to. Yeah, no, I, um, I mean, personally, I, I didn't see any of the, um, um, the spoilers, so to speak, beforehand. The, the only thing I saw was on the, uh, the WWE account, so obviously I wasn't uh, aware of that, but that is certainly good to know that it was um, sort of out there prior. Um, they have announced that the new name of the faction is going to be called Retribution. Um, again, they're set to appear next week on Raw. Um, again, WWE announcing that there. Um, who, uh, even if you do know Tom, um, obviously you said they don't give anything away, um, but uh, who do we think is behind it? There's a lot of talk that it would be the Undisputed Era, um, but obviously with them being five, there would need to be an extra um, an extra member of that um, of that team. Uh, maybe I'll, I'll go to Justin first. What, what, uh, who do you think is behind it? You know, I I don't know officially the names that I, I you know, they're running through a bunch of names. Um, but two of the names that I hope are in it are, uh, you have to forgive me, I don't know what his WWE name is, but Donovan Dijak, who I think is awesome, and uh, Tommaso Ciampa were, were two of the rumored names that I heard. And it, it, it my ears uh, perked up a little bit hearing of that. Cool. And Tom, um, I mean, do you know who it is or, or is that still something that's not yet um, sort of been revealed sort of yet? The WWE do know exactly who it's going to be, which is different from a lot of WWE storylines where they put someone out there and then fill in the blanks later to keep people guessing. They know exactly who it's going to be. The rumor mill, as you say, Dominic Dijakovic is one of the prominent names, Chelsea Green being another. Uh, the Undisputed Era are unlikely to be that group, even though there are technically five members of the Undisputed Era, because Kathy Kelly is still considered to be a member of the Undisputed Era by the Undisputed Era themselves. <laughs> I, I doubt it will be them in that regard, but in addition to this, uh, I can say the Undisputed Era, there are some uh, conversations still ongoing, because to my knowledge, not all members of the Undisputed Era want to leave NXT. That can also be said of Tommaso Ciampa, who has mentioned in interviews in the past, that if he was asked to come up to the main roster, he would retire instead. That may have changed since because his key issue was the schedule. And obviously with his neck issues, it's very hard to ask him to wrestle that many matches. Now at the moment, they are filming once every two weeks. So now might be the time. The name, however, does give us a clue, Retribution. It is unlikely we're gonna to see too many new faces because uh, why would they be getting retribution if they've not been here to have anything to rebel against? 
That is a very interesting point there, Tom. And uh, Justin, your thoughts on that? Well, I was just going to ask a question, being that um, that Tom has kind of the knowledge. When Dijakovic, is that how they say his name now? Yes, Dominic Dijakovic. Okay, Dijakovic and Ciampa, when when I see these rumors online, they come across as so-and-so, including those two, have deleted their social media previous posts or have done something with that. Is that a dead giveaway? Um, in these 2020 times when somebody deletes their social media account ahead of a, an announcement of a big faction, is that something that could, I mean, I just, does the WWE does still have control of the social media accounts of the talent? Is that accurate statement? That depends. When it comes to social media accounts, there are often clauses in contracts that say the WWE can have control. However, to my knowledge, they have stopped pushing that a long time ago because talent got smart. You look at the way Becky Lynch was using Twitter. You look at the way Rhea Ripley was picking fights with Mick Foley, with Becky Lynch aforementioned, and with others on Twitter. When it comes to, it's, it's usually the women, I've got to say, who are much better at social media than the men are but they become a lot smarter in their use of it. And as such, the WWE have backed off. While I can't really speak for Chelsea Green, I can say Dominic Dijakovic has been trolling fans for weeks since the first rumor came out that he was going to be one of the names called up not long after WrestleMania. He has been posting pictures. For example, he posted a picture of Seth Rollins just before a Monday Night Raw and there were rumor mill going wild, and there were pages upon pages of dirt sheets informing them, informing the masses, as it were, that they had exclusive information that Dominic Dijakovic would be joining Sephiroth's faction. Dominic Dijakovic has been having a lot of fun at the expense of a lot of wrestling fans. Let me, uh, let me just segue slightly away. My first time seeing Donovan Dijak, 2015 in Pennsylvania, um, prior to a match um, for Northeast Wrestling, a card. Um, he's out there signing autographs, and some young fan is in line waiting, and he asks the kid um, who he's there to see, and he says, I'm here to see Matt Hardy. He's my favorite, and I go, I didn't know we'd Donovan Dijak was at the time. So I thought, oh, this guy's a, a fan favorite, you know? And he goes, oh, you know, who you here to see? The kid goes, Matt Hardy. And he goes, oh, okay. And then 10 seconds later, he goes, I'm going to kick his ass, kid, just so you know. I'm like, oh, <laughs> I love the guy. And then got to see him wrestle. His in-ring style is awesome. I love his uh, um, attitude and, yeah, that 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 trolling thing. Um, he, he couldn't have had me hooked as a – as a fan anymore after that and then watching him battle. So I certainly hope that um, the more of him that I can see on WWE television, the better. Yeah. And one final thing on that, probably the best person when it comes to trolling on social media, particularly during her recent mental health break with Sasha Banks, she did a magnificent job getting the whole world talking while she was at home having a relaxing time and chilling out. No, it is a great power that they have there that they're able to uh, to ruffle some feathers and get people talking just by uh, sending out a, a tweet or uh, making some changes to their uh, social uh, pages. But it, it does keep them uh, 
obviously active and, and talked about um, there. Um, a few other small points just coming out of Raw. It was announced Dominic Mysterio will be facing Seth Rollins at SummerSlam. Um, there was also an incident with Montez Ford where it appeared that he was uh, he was spiked there. I mean, WWE are definitely going um, in a very different direction. We've seen, um, obviously, the storyline recently with Jeff Hardy talking about his own personal demons, and uh, now we're seeing a an incident of somebody uh, having um, having a sort of drink spiked, especially during this time with the uh, the coronavirus and everything there. Um, Tom, were you um, well? What were your thoughts about the incident with Montez Ford? It's not often you see someone on wrestling get poisoned. Now, there's a lot of wrestlers who you think might be poisonous by nature. Randy Orton definitely jumps out as someone who could definitely poison someone. Minoru Suzuki, however, from New Japan, would more or less just beat people up. And wrestling was always supposed to be that. The idea that everything can be settled with your fists in a ring. So we've, we've worked around that a little bit. We've got to the point of poisoning. Montez Ford passed out, was apparently just allowed to get back in the wrestling ring and have a match and then passed out again, which was confusing in the least. What I will say is that I don't believe Vega, Andrade, and Garza were involved. Andrade seemed quite genuine in his response to it, which I've got to say is some very good acting on his part. And then it seemed like the perfect way for Zelina Vega and Bianca Belair to clash, shall we say, which was a wonderful moment as Belair slowly took off her earrings. Charlie Caruso ran away a little bit, and then they went mental. So while I'm not a fan of what happened with Jeff Hardy and Sheamus, I feel that was way too personal. I think this one, I'm more willing to give the benefit of the doubt. We'll see where it goes. And the resulting six-man or six-person mixed tag that may come of this should actually be a really high-quality match. So I'm excited for it. Yeah, no, it should be a really great match once we get round to... Uh... Uh, get round to that there. Justin, your thoughts on that particular segment? Listen, this might be the day that I realize that maybe I'm too old uh, to be involved. What is happening with, uh, if I'm supposed to believe and want to believe in what I'm seeing in my professional wrestling, and I'm not just going to hold WWE accountable, but I'm going to hold everybody. Um, I want to believe, and I'm, I'm led to believe that they want me to believe as a fan as I'm watching this. But what is going on with the, the WWE medical? First, uh, we've got a match that the winner has to extract the opponent's eye, and the medical team is not at ringside for this. And now uh, somebody gets poisoned, but they're cleared to compete later on. I mean, make me want to believe. Don't. Why? Do we need to go down, not just the why do we need to go down such a crooked path? Um, I feel like we're throwing stuff. I think if we could stick to the basics of professional wrestling, if some company could do that. Um, you know, and obviously we're going to have a little bit of wild entertainment on the way, but the main path of everything is this believability. I want to sit down and watch professional wrestling, and I want to, I want to go into your world. I want to get away from the coronavirus and everything. I want to sit down. I want to watch professional wrestling and I want to have, a, you know, 
what is it, suspension of disbelief in place, but it's just so hard to sit there and follow some of this stuff. And I'm not just completely crapping on it, but listen, if I want it to be believable, what happened when we had the medical team going, hey, listen, here is the quad operation. Here's what we got Triple H down in Alabama. We're, we're reconstructing everything. We're taking it very seriously. And now we've got eyeballs being extracted and poisonings, but hey, go ahead and compete, kid. It's okay. I, I just have a tough time with it. And it might be, um, like I said, I, I hate that it. it's not on WWE solely, but a lot of this stuff, I just want a little bit more of fisticuffs and pro wrestling in my pro wrestling. I think you make a really good point there, particularly as regards the fact that we had an unsanctioned match between Randy Orton and the Big Show, but we had a sanctioned match in which someone had their eye ripped out. It doesn't make a lot of sense. I would, however, very much recommend that you check out New Japan, where we have two 52-year-old men literally beating the living hell out of each other in Minoru Suzuki and Yuji Nagata. That may be exactly your wheelhouse. That is that I I need to get myself on some t- the New Japan plan. Um, I'm not going to give up on pro wrestling over here, WWE. But uh, I'm just thankful that um, somebody else shares my opinion and doesn't make me feel like the the angry old guy. Danny, what are you? Th- what my what are your thoughts on my thoughts on that segment? Yeah, I mean, I agree with you, to be fair, Justin. Um, you know, you want to see um, some great matches, some great um, some great promos and, and the works there. But, uh, but yeah, sometimes things can be a little over the top. Um, you know, people say, you know, well, the Attitude Era was over the top and that was the best time in, in wrestling. But, um, but for me, you know, it is sports entertainment. There is going to be that entertainment um, element along the way but um, when we're talking about the medical stuff and things like that yeah it, it just makes them look silly doesn't it it, it really does um, there, there are times I'm willing to suspend my disbelief the fact that I watched someone give birth to a hand is definitely a time when I had to suspend my disbelief quite uh, <laughs> quite strongly I, I would question the idea of the attitude is the best time though we had 22 minute matches by which I mean not a 22 minute match but 20 separate two minute matches to get everyone on the card and it was just an absolute train wreck every week at the time everyone loved it but right now they are not getting by with that yeah i like i said danny I, it and i agree with you both i want a little bit it is sports entertainment we are going to have some of the the goofy segments that fall flat like uh, giving birth to a hand um stuff like that but we are going to have some pretty cool, pretty special uh, moments that we all are in on the joke, the wink, wink. And and that's the fun part about pro wrestling. But when you're just going to give me um, ridiculous situation after ridiculous situation, like over and over, then it, 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 it does. And I know they, they've taken, it's just simply WWE. It's not world wrestling anymore, but not just the WWE, but you're starting to take away, my pro wrestling from my pro wrestling. Um, I, you know, I want 
it to be right down the middle, straight up guys beating each other up, vignettes and stuff. And yeah, we go off on tangents on some entertainment part, but we always stick to the basics of pro wrestling. And I fear that we're, we're traveling down a path where we're going to get so far away from it, which is, I guess, leads somebody else to come up and, and be very refreshing. Didn't TNA, um, when WWE decided just to go with the acronym, did they have billboards up all over that they were putting the wrestling back in wrestling? I mean, I'm up for that. And maybe uh, New Japan. I'm going to be a New Japan man. Yeah, I mean, just so we'll get you signed up to uh, to New Japan World there. You can uh, certainly indulge. Um, but, yeah, no, I, th- I think we, we both agree with you there in terms of the uh, um, the WWE. And uh, it just begs the question of what's coming next. What's the wackiest thing they're going to do next, um, which I'm sure there'll be something um, at SummerSlam, obviously, when they announce that uh, location soon. But sp- Speaking of the alternative impact wrestling, um, it was announced earlier this week that Kimberly had signed um, with the company there. She's under contract with Impact Wrestling. Um, have both of you managed to catch any of Impact the last few weeks? I've caught the highlights to see what's been going on, and it still seems to me like they are on a roll since Slammiversary. Um, Tom, have you caught much of Impact? I've caught a bit of it, but obviously with uh, my personal situation at the moment, I haven't had that much time. I've seen quite a lot of clips, and it does seem like they are really focusing on what has come out of Slammiversary, particularly the feuds, relying quite heavily on Deonna Perrazzo as a new knockout champion, the Good Brothers who are promoting uh, Talking Chopper Mania and everything that happened there, as well as, for example, Eddie Edwards and I believe it's Eric Young at the moment who are taking the top spot as it were so they've definitely got a lot of exciting things going on what they need to do now is ensure that those keep going when that initial rush of new talent has gone past it to the point where we'll have that spike and we're having that spike right now it's going to start coming down soon so they need to have something lined up ready my concern is they're pushing maybe a little bit too much onto the new talent where at the same time they might want to focus on some of the talent who are already there as well. Yeah, no, that is a fair assessment. And Justin, have you uh, have you caught any of the action? I've done the same as you guys have been able to catch highlights. I still haven't been able to uh, track it down in my current situation without a huge satellite dish getting everything. But I will comment on Kimberly. Um, In 2015, I attended the King of Trios in uh, Chikara, and I remember uh, leaving that night, oh, it's three nights, but after that weekend, very impressed with Kimberly. Um, She is really one of the best women wrestlers I had seen live um, up until that point. Um, I know she didn't, uh, she had a few issues with NXT, but I think at the core, she's a solid, solid worker. Um, and I, I think that's a great signing for them. But I do agree. You've got to concentrate on what you've had. Um, those guys that have stuck with you and stayed at Impact um, and, and have a nice, good combine with these new signings. But, yes, they've done, they've done it right, in my opinion. They had all the hype leading up to Slammiversary. We're excited for it. Slammiversary, I believe, knocked it out of the park. 
and now we're continuing the interest. I just wish that they had a a national, like a really good TV contract on a really good station. And I think they will deserve it if they can keep it up. I will say they've squandered that in the past, but it's not this regime, which I think is, is doing very well and, and getting back to wrestling. Yeah, very exciting time for Impact. Um, and we'll see if that momentum can continue. Um, moving on to another alternative, AEW. Um, that took place last night. We saw an appearance from Eric Bischoff, who was the moderator for a debate with Chris Jericho and Orange Cassidy. Um, of course, it was fantastic to see Eric um, on the show. Um, but I believe the women's tag tournament was missing again from the show. It was only appearing on uh, AEW Dark at the moment. Um, and from what I've said, I'm sure they signed somebody else as well the other day, didn't they, from what I remember. Um, again, do we feel that they're still stocking up that, um, that roster that like, a lot of those guys are still going to be lost in the next few weeks? Uh, Tom, did, did, you, uh, did you catch some of the action last night for AEW? I've been keeping track of it. I believe Tainara Conti was someone signed for that women's division, but it depends how long-term a signing this is going to be. Matt Cardona, for example, is only signed for five appearances at the moment, but with a view to a full long-term contract, he's been speaking to my colleague Rick Uccino over at Sports Keeder about that. In addition to all this, we are, we, we are seeing a lot of signings and a lot of people appearing, and they don't have the TV time for it. It may be that their YouTube channel has developed to such a level that they feel confident they can put people on YouTube, still draw viewership and make money that way. Because even if you get millions upon millions of viewers for your TV show, YouTube will always be valuable because it's long term. So you can still get um, several thousand dollars in five or 10 years if a match pops and people are looking back at Tainara Conti and her body of work previously. So it may be a business decision, but it's certainly, it's a way to fill time. But we have so many people in AEW right now. And I think at some point they have to draw the curtains closed and say, look, guys, we can't push everyone. And in fact, in the way, this is exactly what the WWE situation was for a long time. But right now, after releasing a lot of people, the WWE are pushing people. They can't do that if they have too many people. An AW with two hours of dynamite only when it comes to actual television, they simply do not have the time to push everyone that they have signed and they keep bringing people in over the top of those that they're signing anyway. Yeah, and Justin, what are your thoughts on AEW's progression with their roster at the moment? And of course, um, Eric Bischoff appearing last night. Well, having Easy E on the show is a big, um, a big boost, I think, um, to a, what is an otherwise, as Tom said, an overcrowded roster, where we are, um, again, here I sound angry. We are going to push um, a guy who wrestles with his hands in his pockets over a lot of the other talent that we have here. We have. Um, the Dark Order, um, seemingly in this storyline, dominant 
and the opening uh, 12 person tag match. Okay. And then um, later on in the show, uh, Matt Cardona and, and Cody Rhodes go over the dark order. Um, it's just, it's, it's, it's tough to follow and get a, a solid, solid line on it. You have a lot of, you got an opportunity to tighten up everything that you have. And if we're not in a global pandemic, um, are we still limited to the YouTube show and Dynamite? Or were they ever going to start running house shows? It almost seems like we're stacking the roster. But when we're able to go back on the road, now we can have almost like the Raw and SmackDown. We can have a, a couple touring things to take advantage of making money. Otherwise, I just feel like we're we're wasting away again in Margaritaville. Um, I did read something where there was more AEW social media dedicated to their new line of action figures versus their women's division. And I believe the big thing um, that I am actually going to be looking forward to next week is the announcement that we're going to have the Rock and Roll Express and Arn and Tully on there. So that's where that's where my focus is on there right now seeing that appearance there but they need to you're gonna have women's tag you're gonna have this division we need to push the women you've got talent you've got access um with the way they're doing the tnt uh, cody can have this challenge which again that belt was not defended last night i wasn't sure that it would be we talked last week is that going to be like the nwa tv title i guess not but you got the opportunity to showcase all of these incredible women that are not signed that we could bring up and do some stuff with. And, and I'm hoping they do the right thing and get it right. But again, it just, it falls way shy of the mark for me. Quickly took over a couple of those topics. They're on, or they're, at least they were before this current situation, negotiations ongoing for a second TV show. The TNT are very happy with the ratings that they've been able to achieve, regardless of how it compares to NXT, they are just looking at the viewership they have, and they are very, very happy. Now, because of this, they were looking at a second show. It could be they're stocking up for that. However, one thing I will always question, you've mentioned Eric Bischoff being there. You've mentioned the Rock and Roll Express and Arn and Tully. When the WWE bring back Goldberg, for example, when they bring back the part-timers, there is always a subsection of fans who are saying, we don't need this, push the people you've got. Surely that is what AEW is doing by moving their women's division to YouTube, but they're bringing about the Rock and Roll Express. Yeah, actually, valid point. Valid point. It's the old, uh, the old guy in me because just nothing's really, um, nothing's really sticking. But, I mean, they, they haven't been pushing the women to begin with so i guess i i do look forward to the brain busters and the and the rock and roll express on there um i just i don't know who's gonna finally there, there's so much talent out there and, and the best way i've seen the women showcase recently has been uh, on nxt um but I, I do wish um i do wish aew would um Listen, everybody. I mean, we're gonna push at it's all about the money, but we gotta have the stars to be able to let's uh let's push the women's division and sell a few women's action figures along with whatever else they're 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 focusing on. Danny, 
I think in the last, if if I may, I think in the last month or so, AW should start looking over their shoulder instead of constantly looking ahead to the WWE because Impact and New Japan have made major strides and got a lot of mainstream attention. AW are in a position now where they're still second place. If Impact and New Japan continue as they're going, I think they might be catching up sooner rather than later. Tom, really quickly, um, because you do have your finger on the pulse, um, as I'm arguing all this pro wrestling stuff with you, is it a case of where the fans for AEW are very rabid and very passionate that if we're going to get some of this stuff that is maybe maybe off the the main pro wrestling um, stream, as I was I was talking about that push about traditional pro wrestling, are they more apt to stick with what is obviously keeping these guys happy with some some goofier shtick? And, and go with that? Because I don't believe the WWE has that same fan base that are happy with, with some of the, the kind of off the, off the wrestling stuff. If you, if I'm, I don't know if I'm explaining this correctly. I, um, I know basically what you're going after there, and I think I can make that clear. AEW and NXT and pretty much everyone apart from Raw and SmackDown have a very hardcore dedicated fan base. This, I believe, is what you mean when you talk about being more rabid. They consume wrestling on a much more often basis. They are much more invested in the characters and the storylines. They're much more vocal on social media. You've said there that WWE fans are less likely to take the more ridiculous stuff. In fact, WWE fans are more likely to take the more ridiculous stuff because the actual hardcore audience makes up a very minuscule amount of the WWE audience. Primary audience for the WWE is largely parents with young children. It is largely casual fans. It's why you see AW using Tyson, uh, yeah, Tyson, Mike Tyson, uh, Dam Dallas Page, Bret Hart. They're trying to bring in that casual audience that the WWE already has. It's why you will always see The Rock and John Cena used on WWE merchandise. They are incredibly different audiences. What I will say is that it's something I've said so many times. When there is good wrestling in AW, you will get an AW chant. When there is good wrestling at NXT, you'll get an NXT chant. You will never in your whole life hear a WWE chant because the audience is completely different. When it comes to the forgiveness of ills or the more ridiculous aspects of wrestling, WWE has the least forgiveness from their fans. Yeah, um, I just... I, I know their passion there. What I, I've got to look down at the ratings too. Um, I know they talk about the the demo graphic is a big topic, but I want to look at um, and maybe next week we can have a quick look at everything, but breaking it down by age and everything. Um, just because I do know, like you say, we're bringing in a, a lot of the older fans, and we cater to what we. The, the, the shows are catering to that 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 uh what is the demographic the demo that the jericho's always talking about that 18 uh, 49 or whatever that that number is i'd like to break that I'd, I'd like to look at the numbers beyond that that commercially advertised demo and just uh just give myself a week to kind of catch up and look at it but you're right we're not gonna hear a wwe chance um i just do think that 
AEW can do that their fans are pretty passionate about. Uh, I mean, I just, I can't get by a, a guy, a class act, like world-class talent, I guess, say in the ring, like Jericho. And yes, we're slowing down as we are at 50, but um, being their first world champion and then looking silly with the guy who deliberately puts his hands in his pockets. Uh, I guess that's where I'm at the traditionalist scale where this makes him look very silly um, with this young guy with his hands in a pocket. But I guess I got to let go and understand that that's what the kids are into um, with, with Orange Cassidy. And who am I if Orange Cassidy's putting butts in seats? Then maybe I need to shut my mouth. I know I just went 10 different directions there. You did. That's essentially... That is essentially what AEW look at. If Orange Cassidy is getting big reactions, Orange Cassidy is going to get a push. That's what AEW promised their fans. Your favorites will get pushed. And that's one of the things they promised. Orange Cassidy, because of the demographic that they have, is perfectly suited to that demographic. So he will be an AEW world champion. Orange Cassidy, with his hands in his pockets, will have an AEW championship belt put around his waist. It'll fall off and he'll let it fall off because he needs to keep his hands in his pockets. And people will find that hilarious. There'll be gifts of it all over social media. That is AEW's audience. Quick note on the whole demo god and the demographic stuff. I have a question that I ask based on this. What for you determines whether a show is good and fun? Is it the quality of wrestling or is it whether or not they can sell it to advertisers for more money? Well, for me, it's obviously the quality of wrestling and yeah, and, the and that makes a lie of the whole demo god concept. Yes, you might call it a win if people are more willing to pay you more for advertising. However, that's a misnomer anyway, because people are not willing to pay AEW more for advertising. They are not winning in that particular aspect because the WWE is a known quantity that has been going for about four decades. Advertisers trust the WWE. They've built connections for decades with Snickers and brands like that. AW are an unknown quantity. The demo God thing is good marketing. Who like you talk about WDB's relationship with just off the off the cuff here. Who would be their biggest advertiser? Who who supports? Do they have a major advertiser AEW? Um, I unfortunately I do not have access to this information. That's yeah, no, I'm just curious off the so off the cuff. I know. Um, over the, I, I can't really say. I haven't unfortunately watched enough of it, and it's also worth pointing out that I watch it in the UK rather than the US, where their advertising revenue mostly comes from. So I don't see the same commercials that you do. I was worried about Danny throwing curveballs, and here I am, Tom, throwing you a, a curveball as it comes I, I, to my head. So we'll we'll do some research and maybe jump back on this. It, it's an interesting topic, I feel. It's, it's worth yeah, no, absolutely. Discussion. Absolutely. Danny hasn't jumped in here with all his facts and figures. The wrestling I did, kid. I did expect to be told to shut up by now, to be fair. We've been on this topic for like 20 minutes. and I've been I, know, I thought it. he was just going to cut us off, but maybe Still he's moving asleep. on, man. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is a, a very interesting topic. And it's one I've always been... Um, um, very interested in. I've always had that question, you know, do the ratings really matter in this sort of modern day society where consumers watch the favorite shows in all different ways? You know, nobody's 
you know, I know me personally, I don't sit there and, and watch something live as much as, you know, we would have done years ago. Um, so, yeah, it is a quite interesting topic and maybe it's one we can uh, sort of delve into in sort of just a, an episode alone. Um, so, yeah, I'll be more than happy to, uh, to look into that further. Um, but really now, we are moving on. Um, on to uh, NXT that also um, took place last night. We've got a further glimpse um, of what is coming up in the future. The NXT title, um, Keith Lee versus Karrion Cross. What a match that will be. Um, but the main headline that was on WWE.com a bit earlier was Adam Cole being taken out by Pat McAfee. Have I said his last name right there? I'm not sure. Um, but I don't really know too much about this guy. Um, Pat, to be honest, is, it was, wasn't he a, a, a colour commentator, an analyst, something like that, Tom? Pat McAfee was an NFL player and actually a very popular one, a very talented one. He has switched since retiring into commentary and analysis. He's been doing the NXT kickoff shows. He and Adam Cole are quite close and they've been ripping on each other for a long time now, if you watch the pre-shows for NXT. Everything that happened with McAfee's podcast was very uh, appealing to that. If you're in America and you follow the NFL, you are, from what I can tell, more likely to know who Pat McAfee is than what NXT is. So I can understand why they're doing it. Okay, no problem. Uh, yeah, I wasn't aware of this guy, and that's uh, clearly why. Justin, do you, do you know of Pat? Yeah, I do. Punter for the Indianapolis Colts. Um, he's got a, well, former punter, but he, he's got one heck of a mouth on him, uh, in a good way. He's entertaining. Um, if this is leading up to where we all think it's going, uh, I just, um, no matter how great of an athlete he is as a punter. And I noticed that Adam Cole took the punt to the face. Um, I just hope that he can, uh, Adam Cole can carry an NFL player as well as Bam Bam Bigelow did with Lawrence Taylor, because otherwise I, um, you know, celebrities in wrestling matches, um, I'm old school. You got to pay your dues somewhere. And hopefully he's been training a lot longer than just, Hey, we've got this idea the last few weeks. I know they've been verbally jousting, but if we're going full fledged, into a match, hopefully uh, behind the scenes, but they've been uh, taking him to task and uh, training him, and it would be awesome to see a great match out of this. No, that's um, good for me to learn because I wasn't aware of him, and uh, obviously I knew he was uh, I'm an analyst of some sort on NXT, but um, I didn't know his, his full background. So, yeah, I mean, just listening to that, it will be certainly uh, – be great to see what comes of that. And um, as you say, it does look like it is leading into a match between the two um, in the future um, there. Um, of course, and just one last thing on NXT, as, as I just mentioned briefly there, what are your thoughts on Karrion Cross, Killer Cross, since he's uh, been on NXT? What a push that he's been getting there, Tom. He was promised a strong push and he's definitely been getting it. He's been treated like a, a big deal and really the biggest of deals since a step in, step in, since the second he stepped in the door. It is very reminiscent of what happened with Rhea Ripley where she arrived and she took over the whole place. What happened with Rhea Ripley though, she 
hit her head on a glass ceiling and here we are. Hopefully that doesn't happen with Karrion Cross. I'm sure Ripley's going to recover very soon. And with Karrion Cross, it seems to be either he's going to be the next NXT champion in record time, or a lot of people are going to be disappointed. They have put a lot behind him, and that means they've put a lot of expectation on him as well. He's delivered so far. He's got a thrilling entrance. I'm excited by the guy. Yeah, no, I personally I would love to see him win that uh, that NXT title. He's, um, um, as you say, he's had a, a monster push since he's come in and the expectations are now huge. Justin, your thoughts on Karrion Cross's NXT run so far? I'll tell you what, here's my heel turn right here. Um, I, I think they're doing a good job pushing Mark Merrow and Sable, and I do think that she will have the better career when it comes out <laughs> in the long run. <laughs> no, um, sorry. She, Scarlett's going to be huge. Um, Cross, um, we'll see what happens. Um, I just fear the huge, strong push, and then we move him up to the roster and bury him, as has been traditional. So um, I do believe the one to keep an eye on is obviously Scarlett out of this. Um, we'll see what happens. I want to see more Keith Lee um, before this. But, uh, yeah, pardon my Sable and Mark Merrill 2.0 joke there. Yeah, I didn't expect that. But, uh, no, it was a great uh, great, uh, great one there. But uh, this Friday on Fight TV, Warrior Wrestling present Friday Night Lights in Chicago Heights at the Marion Catholic High School on the football field. Justin. Can you tell us a little bit more about that event? This is a stellar return to pro wrestling in the Chicagoland area and really anywhere here in, in the world of pro wrestling. Um, we're hoping to have that they have hopefully maybe 500 fans. Football stadium is huge. We interviewed uh, Steve uh, Tortorello. They're taking every precaution in the books to see to make sure the talent is safe the fans are safe and it would really actually be um bigger than just this independent show in chicago i think the whole world of pro wrestling is going to take notice and see how they run it how they do it um what how the precautions work what works what doesn't work but you're talking about a card that is stacked from top to bottom um Newly crowned Warrior Wrestling Champion Brian Pillman Jr. versus Robert Anthony. We just had Brian Pillman on the lockdown sessions. Um, Kylie Ray takes on Ray Lynn. We've got Lance Archer. We've got the Who's Who. And then we've got the Irresistible Force meeting the Immovable Object in Jeff Cobb versus Brian Cage. We're back in my day, those two big strong muscle guys would have a big huge performance but now these guys it's 2020 these big dudes can move this is going to be one hell of a match and like i said if you can't make it to chicago join them on fight tv um also they just announced yesterday a virtual fan fest going on so you get a chance um to actually video a uh, live video with some of these stars and get some autographs and stuff so Warrior Wrestling, doing it well. They've only been around a short time, 
but they've been doing it well for as long as they've been around. So I'm excited. Yeah, we cannot wait for Friday there. And Wrestling Travel will be covering the event. Um, Justin will be attending live. He will be on site. Um, so you can expect plenty of updates from him there. And also we'll be covering the event live on wrestlingtravel.org with our live blog with some special coverage there too. Um, and also we want to say a big thank you once again to our guest, Tom Collihue from Sports Kita. Tom where can we find you to find out, uh, well, to find all your news and analysis? Well, thank you very much for having me. If you want to check out my personal YouTube, which is just my name, Tom Collihue, Collihue spelled C-O-L-O-H-U-E. Pretty much everything I'm doing will be going on there. There will be updates. There will be probably live streams on Sundays coming up and one in the afternoon on Friday for a SmackDown route preview we have our monday previews at the same time five o'clock us time uh sorry five o'clock uk time and noon eastern standard time for if you want to watch that on the sports Kida facebook page and of course if you want to check out my standard work you can always check my twitter page out also my surname at collihue that is where you will get instant reports before pri before more in-depth information becomes available on the youtube Excellent. Yeah, make sure you check out all of Tom's work. He is a, a fabulous uh, journalist on the uh, the wrestling scene who covers a lot of uh, a lot of promotions, a lot of news, and uh, he is uh, going to be one of the ones to look out for in the future, indeed. Um, going forward. And now, time for the main event of the evening. Well, it is the evening over here, whilst the uh, I'm currently locked down in Manchester. I don't know what the situation is on the foul coast for you, Tom. Has there, has there been any any talks of a lockdown there at all? We're not locked back down, but we are quite close to areas that have been. So at the moment, we're okay, and I'm still getting plenty of, plenty of runs in. Fantastic. No, it's uh, in Manchester at the minute. We're uh, not allowed to visit anybody or do anything out of, uh, out of uh, you know, but uh, yeah, hopefully everything will be uh, on the men soon. Um, and we obviously, we uh, know things are still uh, not looking good over in the US. Justin, what's Wisconsin like at the minute? Um, over here in Wisconsin, we are mandated to wear our masks everywhere. Not saying everybody is complying with that. But for the most part, where I am up north and rural, um, everybody is doing the best they can um but we're man we're on what what month of this what day it's just we just can't wait for it to be over yeah well it is wt quiz day uh so let's get cracking with it um there isn't a specific topic um it i well i have sort of pulled out some questions from past wwe pay-per-views and there is one awa question for justin um, as well as he uh, requested last week due to uh, his um, his uh, terrible... Dominated week. by Tom last week, yeah. Yeah, I, I didn't know how to word it there without discussing uh, <laughs> you, but you, uh, you weren't very good. Um, but anyway... Well, I believe the right way to word it is dominated by Tom last week. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, oh. yeah, so let's get cracking with the first question. And we're going back to King of the Ring 1995. Mabel defeated who in the final 
to become the King of the Ring winner. Justin, we'll go with you first. <laughs> Thank you. Um, Bret Hart. Is that your final answer? That's my total guess in the wind here, yes. And Tom, would you, would you agree with Justin there? Well, just thinking about who was champion at the time and what followed, I'm going to say Razor Ramon. Is that your final answer? Yeah, sure. The answer was Savio Vega, who Mabel no defeated in the final of the King of the Ring 1995. Absolutely no chance on that one. Yeah, no, I thought it'd be one that would catch you, catch you both out there. It was uh, one that I pulled out that I was quite surprised with. But yes, Savio Vega was the man who Mabel defeated King of the Ring. That was my second guess, I swear. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Um, so yeah, no points there for either of you for that first question. Moving on to question two, Armageddon 2000. Who walked into that event as the WWF European Champion? I'll start with Justin again for that one. Al Snow. Final answer. Tom, would you agree with Al Snow? I just ran through so many attempts in my head. I could have told you any other champion. But yeah, I'm going to go with Al Snow. That does make sense. It in fact was... William Regal, who walked into that event as European champion. Um, let me just check who he fought. Should already have that noted down. But yeah, William Regal is the answer there with him fighting. I think her angle by chance. He fought Hardcore Holly that night, actually. Um, retaining his European title after five minutes there. So still no points on the board. Much tougher questions this week. Yeah, I've gone all out this week to make sure it's not a, not a dominant victory for you there, Tom. <laughs> um, but yeah, moving on to question three. Taboo Tuesday 2004, uh, which was the first installment of that uh, fan interactive pay-per-view. Um, who Oh, sorry, sorry, 2005, sorry. Tuesday, 2005. Who was Jonathan Coachman accompanied by for his match against Batista? Justin, your answer, please. Ah. Uh, I'm just, I don't even remember this. I will say, I don't know, was Tyson Tomko in the WWE at then? Or Mark Jindrak or Sean O'Hare? One of those three, I'm going to guess. That's my final answer, any of those three. I'm changing the rules. Well, changing the rules. Actually, no, I I will just take, uh, uh, how about, uh, yeah, I have no idea, obviously. So I'm going to, I'll pass. Justin has passed. Tom, can you get your first point here? 
on an almost pure guess, Shane McMahon? The answer was Goldust and Vader. Um, initially, this match was supposed to feature uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin, I believe, who eventually pulled out, and it was turned into Jonathan Coachman versus Batista, with Coachman accompanied by Goldust and Vader. How random does it get there? Uh, yeah, pretty random. Um, what did Is you search? Like the hardest questions? <laughs> yeah. yeah, we're just trusting you on these. Yeah, you look later and they're all wrong. <laughs> I got them all wrong and you got them all right. <laughs> um, no, that's still no points on the board and I'm quite happy with that. It's been a bit tougher this week for you. Um, as we move on to question number four, WrestleMania 22, which took place in Chicago at the Old State Arena. Can you name all the participants in the Money in the Bank ladder match? from that event. I'll start again with Justin. No. Just okay, no. you stole my answer. That was going to be my, my answer. answer. Yeah, no, I cannot. I, I know I can't. I can't even give you a really good guess, but I'm curious to see who it was. <laughs> no. Right, Tom. Um, who was in that match? Can you remember? Um, Edge, Chris Jericho... Shelton Benjamin, Kane. Yeah, I'll leave it there. <laughs> you were on the right tracks, but you're on the right tracks from the previous years at WrestleMania 21 and um, with those names. So for this installment, uh, hey. you got Shelton Benjamin, uh, but also in that match was RVD, Bobby Lashley, Fit Finley, Matt Hardy, and the Nature Boy Ric Flair. I say he, if he named one of those participants, he gets a point. That is a baffling collection of people. It's a, it's a very, especially with flair in there as well. And, but yep, Tom did get Shelton Benjamin. So, Tom, would you like to take the point? It seems Justin's handing that for you. Um, sure. <laughs> Honestly, no, but I'm worried it's going to be a nil-nil. <laughs> Yeah, no, let's keep it yeah, let's keep it a tie. We're nil-nil at this point. Um, so yeah, not gonna get the point there. We'll go with uh, with that still as a tie. On to question question five. Well, I've done six questions, I didn't realise. Um Royal Rumble 1990. Justin, you must get this one, surely. Who did Hulk Hogan eliminate to win the Rumble match? Justin. 1990. Yes. Boy, how am I supposed to remember who he eliminated? I'm going to say, I'm just going to throw DiBiase out there. Was that still pretty hot at that time? No, it wouldn't have been DiBiase, but that's what I, that's all my brain could think of this morning. Tom, would you be thinking the million dollar man as well? Not a bad shout. I do want a bit of variation, though. and I'm confident where this is going, but I'm going to say in the same vein, Andre. Andre the Giant. So I can confirm that you both weren't correct. (laughs) 
<laughs> Ted DiBiase entered the match um, drawing number one. Um, Andre the Giant was in there entering at number 11, but Hulk Hogan ultimately won the match, eliminating Mr. Perfect. Oh, great. Uh, so Kurt Henning was the last man out. Well, we have learned a lot today. Former AWA world champion Kurt Henning. Yeah, and speaking of the AWA, oh, no. the last question is AWA related. Justin could steal the victory here if he gets these uh, these um, these two names. Um, I tell you what, I'm more nervous for this question than anything because I staked my whole AWA thing, and now it's on the line. Ugh. Well, here we go. There were two AWA. America's champions. Larry Zabisco and Sergeant Slaughter. Final Stanley, answer. Would you agree with that, Tom? Yes. <laughs> Justin, you are correct, my friend. Um, you have got, well, it, I mean, with Tom agreeing there, you've, you've both got the point. Justin, the point goes to you uh, for getting that right first hand there. So it looks like Justin won Tom nil this week. We suck. Yeah, we. we uh, I'm just glad I got the the one question right. So, but yeah, we we. Uh, you know, Tom, I don't think we suck. I think our quiz master is digging way too deep. Yeah, you suck. <laughs> I think you need to start with, uh, if anything. Some of your questions alone should be worth five points, but you should start slow and maybe try to make your guests look like they know a little something by like throwing us a softball question for number one. Yeah, and while you're at it, just give me the points. Just just yeah. for the sake of it. Yeah. Just, let's just change that. I think next week Tom and I'll quiz you. I, I would like that actually. I I wouldn't mind if you if you wanted to quiz me. Uh, you know, yeah, we could do that. We could uh Come up with a couple of questions each. Yeah. What do you reckon, Justin? Shall we? Uh, yeah, shall we... I say we. Tom and I come. We'll, we'll do the quiz. You can redo your format and make it a little more uh, listener friendly. <laughs> and Tom and I will come up with two ridiculous questions each. <laughs> well, two I will each. certainly look forward to that. Um, but yeah, make them as difficult as you want. Um, I'll certainly give them a good go. Um, but I, don't know, I, I didn't think some of them were too difficult. I thought the the Royal Rumble one, maybe the the Money in the Bank. Were, I, I don't know. But anyway, there we go. We've got Justin taking home the victory this week. And thank you very much for everyone who has listened um, to our episode five of the Wrestling Travel Podcast. And uh, Justin, any final words at all? No, just the, the final word is if you cannot make it to Chicago for Warrior Wrestling on whenever we air this, this is going to be August 7th. Please remember it is available on Fight TV and later on it will be on the High Spots Network. So we are proud supporters of Warrior Wrestling along with our brothers at True Heel Heat. Uh, really looking forward to a fantastic weekend of pro wrestling. And I just want to thank uh, you and Tom uh, for another fine podcast. Um, I love having the debates, uh, the arguments and the discussions and the quiz. 
um, although the quiz master needs a little work. <laughs> Any final words from you, Tom? Not at all, just the usual. Thanks very much for having me, guys. No, it's been great to have you on, and we'll see you next week for episode six.